0: The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to HiFM and Tech Talk. As always, we have the latest news, conversations and gadgets, which is what it's all about. I mean, life is all about who's got the coolest gadget. It's for some of us anyway. For the rest of you, I suppose we use technology as a tool to do what we need to do. And just some news that has crossed my desk of late and could affect a lot of us, it certainly affects me as a small business, is that Google is finally killing the free G Suite plan that it's been offering for years. Now, many of us use Gmail. Gmail is free, remains free. The only cost is that you have to share some of your personal information and your activity information online, which they use to target ads to you, and they make some good money out of that. And that's always a good thing, and that's how Google works, that's how they make their money, and that's how things go in the Google world. However, they've always had, or they introduced a couple of years ago, a professional plan, a plan of services, products, and platform that was more tailored to the bigger, bigger company. Now, a lot of big companies, a lot of schools, even some governments use the G Suite or Google Professional, whatever it used to be called. And many of us, many years ago, when it first came out, signed up for their sort of free and um, no-cost version of G Suite. The benefits of G Suite was a lot less advertising. It worked with Outlook. It allowed you to run a much more professional, use your own URL, because that's the other thing. It's not very professional when you've got a business that says, um, you know, Adrian at gmail.com, and you're an attorney, or you're a brickmaker, or whatever it is that you are. It's much cooler if you've got Adrian at bricks.com. So those options were available for free through the G Suite plan. And um, uh, Google have just announced that from 1 July 2022, It will no longer be available. So I'm sure that all of us who have got a work, work or business related G Suite option will get an email from them saying, hello guys, you have to now sign up for something which they call the workspace business starter, which is a per user per month charge, which is unfortunate. So let's say you've got 10 users. It could cost you as much as 920 rand per month for 10 users. On the platform, which is $6 at the current rate, they are offering, and I'm not sure if it's going to be for existing new users onto the system, or only for people who sign up first time, a sort of discounted $4.80 for the first 12 months, which is 740 Rand for 10 users. Anyway, whichever way it goes... It's still very cost-effective compared to other professional setups uh, online. And once you're in the Google ecosystem and your mail is there, it's probably easier to stay. So if you're a, a semi-pro user with a small business with up to 10 users on your 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 G Suite plan, you're going to have to go go and have a look at the various pricing options. They start at 480 with Business Starter dollars. Um, then they've got a business standard at $9.60, but the 480 is a promotional. And then they've got the business plus, which is their full on heavy duty managed services product at around about $18 per user per month. All of this is unfortunate. I'm afraid it's going to add a little bit of cost to your business at a time when all of us are looking for ways to cut costs with rising inflation and whatnot. But it does offer for me, one of the easiest to use professional email platforms, and that includes Google Docs and all the other Google, um, Google options and platforms like Meet Now, which is a Zoom alternative, which works really extremely well if you haven't used it, but it does bring another little layer of complication to your life. So just be aware if you're on the free plan right now, it was discontinued a while back, But existing users could just carry on using it. And now those guys, such as me, are going to land up having to pay a little bit of money every month just to stay where we are. Unfortunate, but that's the way it goes. Now, moving on to another interesting development that went live this week in South Africa and just shows that from a tech point of view, South Africa is still one of the best-placed countries in Africa We've got infrastructure that's the envy of pretty much any African country, except for the distance we are from the main Internet. You know, Egypt and North Africa is a little closer. They're on the main line, and they tend to benefit from that. But we're a couple of milliseconds away from the the mainstream, if you want to call it that. However, the implication of that is that if you're a business and you want to run all your products or your services in the cloud, it now can be done with Oracle as well. Microsoft, Google, um, and Amazon have got local data centers. But cloud services provider Oracle has now gone live in Johannesburg with the first region that they have in Africa. And obviously, it's now in Johannesburg, South Africa. The benefits of this is that essentially all applications that are based on Oracle, and there are a lot of companies that use Oracle. The airports company use Oracle. Pensions fund administrators use Oracle. Telcom use Oracle. A lot of commercial companies use Oracle as their baseline. Big companies, not smaller ones. You and I probably would find that they, their services are a little too rich for our liking or our needs for that matter. But cloud services definitely have become a major player in the space of how these services are offered. And because we're off the mainstream of the Internet, I mean, there's a 180 millisecond ping to get information from Johannesburg to New York and another 180 millisecond ping to bring it back. Now, that's not a lot of time in 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 real time. But from the point of view of when you push a a button on your keyboard and if there's a half a second delay before you get something refreshing on your screen – taking into account anything that may be going on on your computer. So if your computer's a bit slow, it adds to that time. It starts making online cloud applications a little clunky, and people then push it twice, create errors. It's just not smooth and not easy. Move that application to Johannesburg. We're talking between 1 and 10 millisecond ping if you're on fiber, and the whole picture changes. Apps work instantly. Mobile apps even work Quickly and instantly, you get, you get a much better response. So from the point of view of what's going on, it's another notch in the belt of South Africa's cloud services and the, the growth and maturity of our cloud platforms that are available. And Johannesburg is only Oracle's 37th cloud region worldwide, which is quite interesting. And they plan a few more. Obviously, we were hoping this came earlier, but I think <laughs> unfortunately, um, the whole COVID pandemic slowed everything down. But cloud is the way that businesses are moving. Small guys who use, we talked about Gmail, G Suite, all that stuff is in the cloud. Those those servers are replicated locally, so you don't feel the speed pain or speed problem. But now, big businesses with Oracle definitely can do the same thing, and it should make certain services snappier, easier to use, and probably more cost-effective. So, Good on Oracle, and I expect to see more and more of those growing um, over time. Certainly, there are going to be quite a few changes coming in that space. And talking of big tech and talking of big big changes that are coming, Microsoft announced this week that they are, are buying Activision. Now, I'm not the biggest gamer anymore. Don't have the time. Too busy. I know many of my colleagues and friends are not. But if you're a younger guy or even an older guy who's got the time and the want to play games, you absolutely have heard of Activision. And Activision are one of the largest game game companies in the world. And Microsoft have just made an offer to buy them for $68 billion. Translated into Rands, it gets super, super crazy. Um, we're talking about trillions of rands stupid stupid money but anyway it's probably the largest deal that's ever happened in the gaming industry and is the they're the owners of candy crush call of duty blizzard and it's just stupid stupid big and it makes a lot of sense within the context of where microsoft are going and what they're doing the the um the deal hasn't been concluded yet, but it certainly created a massive buzz in the market and created a whole new dynamic. Apple have been doing a lot of work with their partners on gaming. Gaming is certainly becoming a very, very, very important component of the so-called um, metaverse that, that our friends at uh, Facebook are pushing. But the whole new way of, of operating is very gamified. And having that whole business in their, in their business makes a lot of sense. They've got Xbox. They now have their own gaming creator company that can add tremendous value to Xbox. And I believe it can create a lot of interesting applications within the virtual world because the next sort of big thing in gaming is definitely going to be virtual reality or some form of augmented reality or somehow taking gaming into the so-called metaverse where it is a blend between the real world that we live in and another world that's created artificially through digital platforms so on that note we'll be back with more news and some interesting talks about what's going on with spectrum and some other things that are crazy out there in the world in, of, of world of tech we'll be back straight after this this is tech talk with stephen ambrose on 101.9 high fm Welcome back and, um, no specific topic this week on Tech Talk Cafe. I've been trying to get a couple of interviews, but I think most people are just getting back to work, getting stuck back into, um, you know, business and the nice thing is with the sort of COVID wave being over and all the talk of maybe the, even the state of emergency being over, events are back. There'll be a lot lot more face-to-face meetings, a lot more events around all the new products and platforms and things that are coming out. And 2022 is shaping up to be quite the year for technology. Obviously, a lot of it is cloud-based. A lot of it are platforms to op- allow people to operate from anywhere, go anywhere, do anything. And um, <coughs> we will... We will be discussing things like that going forward because one of the largest trends that came out last year was simply the fact that how do you recruit and run a business in a world where people can be anywhere and yet still deliver what they need to do. The days where everybody had to be in one place to do whatever they needed to do seems to have gone away to the, for a large extent, but there seems to be a lot of, lot of discussion about what is the ideal blend of physical on-premises work and getting together as a team and the dynamics and the energy that that brings to a business and the need or the ability to hire people anywhere in the world with the requisite skills to do what you need to do and you actually never really physically see them. My opinion is that the blended model will win out. You will always have this ability to connect and work seamlessly from wherever you live and wherever you work technology is just making that completely possible no matter where you are from a little island in in the atlantic to africa south africa e- anywhere anywhere that you go so there will be a big change coming and a lot of these cloud services, the ability to run all your products in the cloud and have them accessible anywhere, any time zone at any time makes, makes a huge, huge difference. But I want to get on to the whole discussion of, of spectrum and what is going on in South Africa. As we all know, 5G is starting to roll out globally and has rolled out globally for the most part in most of the major markets. China apparently is moving along at a pace that is completely breakneck, but that is China now that they pretty much locked the doors and not letting anyone in or out. They can get on with stuff that doesn't make any difference to any of us. But there has been a lot of talk. It's very hard to ignore, but there's been a lot of talk of catastrophic disruptions due to the 5G rollout. So unfortunately, I anticipate another huge wave of 5G is causing problems and there's going to be all sorts of issues around 5G going forward. But what has transpired in the last couple of days is that two of the biggest operators in America, AT&T and Verizon Communications, have started rolling out an enhanced version of 5G in, in a band that is called the C band. It's a particular set of frequencies that are called C band. And what it does do, it allows incredibly high speed and high capacity 5G connectivity in the USA. And being a super competitive place, everyone's talking about 5G plus. I mean, we haven't even got 5G rolled out, but they're talking about 5G plus or 5G extra, or whatever they want to call it. And they've started rolling it out everywhere. Well, all of a sudden, all the airlines in America have been saying, but hang on a second. The C-band frequency is adjacent to the frequency that the radio altimeter equipment and automated equipment in aircraft use. So what is possible when they switch all these towers on, which are generally much higher power than the standard 5G bands, because the frequency is in a different space, so they're using a lot more power than the standard 5G transmitting towers could potentially interfere with the aircraft equipment. And that's all aircraft, helicopters, planes, transport, everything. And being a rather sensitive thing, where it affects people uh, or planes quite considerably is that a lot of them have got automating landing systems. You and I don't even know that. The pilot is sitting there like a bit of a spare wheel. The planes take off using the automated systems they fly using these automated systems with pretty much on autopilot and today based on all the electronics and everything that they've got they can land without any pilot intervention obviously they need all the electronics and all the technology to know how high they are above sea level how high how close to the ground are and all of that stuff is pretty critical to the safety and the security of these planes so any question around 5G towers interfering with those transmitters and with those um, systems and platforms in planes truly are a, a cause for concern. Yeah. However, the FAA, who is the, the air sort of airline association, says that they have been working with the, the, the networks on 5G for many years now. They've done enormous amount of testing in these spectrums using all the various 5G's, 5G spectrums that were rolled out and paid for via auction by the networks for many years, and they've not yet found any actual evidence of any problem with regard to these frequencies and any interference with planes. However, um, many operators have stopped flying the 777, so even Emirates have restricted certain areas or certain planes from flying into the U.S., What has happened in the interim, until this is all properly investigated and properly sorted out, is that these networks have created buffer zones around the airports, about 50 U.S. airports, where they are not switching on this this platform or this 5G system as yet. And that's quite a big deal. So, never a smooth rollout for 5G (laughs) – couple of months ago, all we heard was 5G caused Corona. That seems to have died down and we don't hear much of that anymore. But unfortunately, wherever there's a new platform, new product of this sort, we do have these type of challenges. And the biggest difference between Europe where 5G is pretty much ubiquitous and America is that this new 5G plus is a very high power version of 5G, which is not being rolled out in many places around the world. So, we're probably not going to see that problem in South Africa. We're not going to see that problem anywhere else. But in South Africa, we are still trying to get 4G spectrum, uh, never mind 5G. Pretty much, we haven't had any spectrum offered for 4G rollout, which can be used partly for 5G rollout as well for many, many, many years. In fact, pretty much since the original licenses were issued to everybody. ECASA announced in December... In their ITA, that they would be auctioning these spectrums in March of 2022, and uh, guess what? Telcom decided to, as they did in the for the last round of auctions, is to take ICASA to court because they believe there are certain major flaws within the the auction spectrum ITA or the announcement of how they're doing it, and. Basically, bring an interdict to um, to the whole thing and stop the spectrum auction completely. Well, the good news is, and it came through pretty much yesterday, is that I, I assume with some serious government uh, intervention and some pressure. Remember, government still is a fifty percent shareholder in telcom, so Anikasa is a government-owned agency, so government was suing government, essentially which is always fun in this context. But some real pressure seems to have been brought on um, Telcom to withdraw the interdict. However, the news out there is they've withdrawn the interdict, the auction's going ahead, and the answer is no, not so fast. What Telcom has said is that they are willing to withdraw part of the application which is the part that seeks to interdict the auction, stop the auction completely, so that no spectrum gets uh, allocated until part B of the application is heard. Part B of the application is the reasons why they don't want the spectrum to be auctioned at all. The problems that they have with the current plan, the problems they have with buying spectrum that is not yet released One of the main key issues is what they call the the digital dividend globally. And just to give a little bit of context to that, essentially right now television programs are transmitted in the 800, 700 to 800 megahertz um, band, and analog television uses those bands. As you stop analog television, because digital television is so much more efficient in its spectrum use, they can release, take a little portion of it for digital television They can get 16 times more channels into probably 10 times less spectrum with digital because of the very nature of digital. And then that would allow a whole chunk of 700 to 900 spectrum to be used for mobile broadband or for mobile communications in general. The benefit of lower frequency mobile compared to the 3.5 and higher, I I said gig, I meant megahertz. 700 to 900 megahertz, not gigahertz band, is that the, because the wavelength is longer, it penetrates walls better, it goes into buildings better, and can travel far longer distances. In a country like South Africa, with the big spaces we've got, 700 to 900 spectrum becomes extremely valuable. The problem is South Africa missed the 2015 deadline To get rid of uh, analog television And in fact we still haven't done the migration to digital television Because 99% of us are using either streaming or satellite television And I actually don't have an aerial on my house anymore at all So we don't have the ability to accept analog television But many millions of our compatriots in South Africa Still use a television aerial and pick up analog TV Most TVs, except the newer ones um, have the the requisite digital um, tuner in it, so they can pick up digital television, which is still transmitted through a television aerial by the by, so you can 't get rid of your aerial you might have to change it, but uh, you may still have an aerial on your roof with digital television but that being said, if the companies are transmitting in that in those bands, despite the fact that they 're being auctioned in this next auction round in March, which is six weeks away. You cannot use it because if you're transmitting television and you try to transmit data in the mobile band in that, there would be tremendous interference and there would be tremendous problems. Either you wouldn't receive your television program or you wouldn't be able to make a phone call on your mobile phone or use mobile data or both, which is not a great thing. And what um, Telcom are saying is that they're being asked to pay for and buy and commit to those bands without any Ability to know when they could actually use it from a business and functional point of view, which makes a lot of sense. There's also a whole lot of discussion around the WOAN, which is the sort of industry run and financed, but government controlled. If that isn't about 40 red flags right there, um, mobile network operator that will be operated on a government managed basis. So they would decide how much money that network could charge other people and other networks in order to use their network. Again, sounds like quite the plan considering that that plan needs to take MTN, Vodacom, Telcom, Celsi, and all the other major operators. They've got to pay for and run this network on which they have no control over how much they can charge, nor do they have any control over who they can sell that stuff to. So they become, they, they get, they have to take their own money, set up their own competitor, Which is government controlled in terms of pricing, which will then sell against their main company or which against the main, the, the companies that set it up in the first place. Something that in any commercial world makes zero sense. So I believe in my opinion, and it is a little controversial, that Telcom have a point. This whole spectrum thing hurts them far more than it hurts, even though again, Telcom has more spectrum than Vodacom and MTN. But MTN and Vodacom can afford one to pay for spectrum they may not use for many years, two, they are less affected simply because of their market dominance by the fact that they would have another competitor financed by themselves. Whereas a small player like Celsius and Telcom would be heavily, heavily affected by the um, the fact that there's now a third player or a fifth or a fourth player that's going to be charging much more competitive amounts. For for mobile communications So we need to watch the space Really closely Hopefully they can deal with Part B And these issues that I've spoken about In the nearest future And we will get the Spectrum auction Because no matter how you feel about tel- uh, Vodacom and MTN They have the scale, they have the money They have the platforms and the ability To bring 5G to South Africa En masse 5G in a, in and of itself affecting potentially planes or not can bring massive improvement in the capacity and simple um, experience of of mobile in the country the phones are getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and the if there are a thousand users on a 4G network and you're getting okay performance you can get a hundred thousand users on a 5g network at very good performance so It's an order of magnitude and then some better than the current technology. And already people are talking about 6G, moving on to the next generation. May not be such a big jump from 4G to 5G, but the simple fact is South Africa cannot keep sitting here waiting and playing catch up in a space that is moving that quickly. So stay tuned. This space is definitely going to be pretty dynamic over the next two, three months Uh the the um the big networks in fact including telecom, are still running on loaned frequency spectrums so all the current 5g rollouts from vodacom and, and mtn are running on borrowed um spectrum right now in most places and that creates huge problems in and of itself and that is why you've not seen any real promotion of 5g in south africa because Tomorrow, as ICASA did last year, they could suddenly end the use of this temporary spectrum in the absence of actual bought spectrum. So simply put, the whole spectrum thing in South Africa is a real mess. And the net bottom line for you and I and everyone else in the country is that phone calls are not as good as they should be. They drop. The quality is poor because the bands are congested and there isn't enough spectrum to do it right. Second of all, when there are a lot of people in an area or when there's heavy usage going on in the evenings, or during the middle of the day in, let's say, Santon and the big CBDs, four G is not as good as it should be. It starts slowing down. You get buffering. The quality um, suffers. The ping rate, the sort of the time to get to the server and back, goes up, and we have really a poor experience, even on a mobile device using four G which is not ideal, and these congestions have only been exacerbated by the fact that a lot of people are living at home. Not everyone's got fiber, and a a huge chunk of the population are using 4G or mobile networks for um, their ability to connect to the Internet. So it is super critical that we get this right. It's super critical that we get it right as soon as possible, and I believe it will bring down the cost. It will improve the quality, and it's a win-win for everybody. But they need to find a balance between all the big guys, small guys, and the rules and regulations. And on that note, we're going to have a quick break. And then I'll be back with one of my gadgets of the week. And one or two last little sort of good news items around number portability, which is quite something. We'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Oh, welcome back, and um, I know I've rambled on about spectrum quite a lot over the over the years, and again, right now. But you can see uh, it's very simple that there is massive focus on mobile technology. Mobile technology works on radio waves which sit in spectrum, and it is quite critical that that is done in a way that works for everybody, safeguards, our airlines. and it's it's quite a complex world that we operate in, and it takes some clear heads, some clear thinking, and some really good planning to get it right. And unfortunately, there seems to have been a huge lack of that in South Africa over the years. And that's not good for you. It's not good for me. It lets us fall behind, and we'll move on from there. But it is an important thing, and I will keep you informed as this rolls out. But those of you who are enjoying 5G right now in South Africa can attest to the fact that It's not like the blistering speed makes no real difference, but certainly the stability and the sheer snappiness of your device doing everything from email to WhatsApp to videos to YouTubes, you name it. It's just that much better and uh, something that we should all look forward to. In the next two years, I expect even 5,000 Rand phones and below to have 5G modems built in. So it is about as mainstream as it's going to get. And short of knocking planes out the sky... It's definitely important. And moving on, and that is my gadget of the week today, to a device that is part of the Samsung Galaxy world. And Samsung are definitely one of the largest players in the mobile space in South Africa and globally. And they have a very, they've sort of come up with a pattern. Every year in January, February, There's the announcement of the new Galaxy series, S21 last year, definitely S22 this year at World Mobile Congress. Though the way Europe is going with Corona, I have a feeling that uh, the the end of February launch of of Mobile World Congress may be in danger. I hope not. It's my favorite time of the year. But um, let's see, the announcements will still roll. And what they do in between these large announcements of the next generation of the Galaxy phones is introduce a Note in around about August, September, which is sort of their high-end business pen-based device, and generally around about the same time, something which they call their Fan Edition. Now, they did it with the S20, super successful, essentially a high-end device with all the Technological advances that they introduced in the in the series in February, at a much more affordable price. So you always seem to get the feeling that um, if we always get the feeling that you're getting something for nothing, or you're getting a deal that's a little bit better than the deal that you needed to have, it. <laughs> there has to be some compromises. But now I was very fortunate enough to get to play with the Galaxy S21 FE and I've played extensively with the Galaxy S21 Ultra over the, the last year. So just to give you a little bit of sense, the Galaxy S20 FE starts off, or the S21 FE starts off at under 15,000 Rand. The S21 standard was close to 20,000 Rand. So you're talking about a 5,000 Rand saving on a device that really um, is essentially very similar. The S21 FE is slightly smaller, the screen, and it feels a little less premium. But when you put it in a case, there's absolutely no difference in feel between an S21 and an S21 FE. It's got a top quality um, processor and a spectacular screen. And that's pretty much what sets the tone of the whole product range. So if you're looking for the latest and most powerful phone on the market without spending the full amount of money that you would be, that would be required in order to do so, this could be a really, really, really good deal. So just to give you the sort of tech specs, it has a fewer, a slightly smaller amount of RAM. It has a slightly Less. uh, These are the 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 things that are not as good as the standard S21. But the camera is the the telephoto camera is a little less um, good quality compared to the S21 series. And that pretty much is that. It uses the latest Snapdragon triple eight processor. And in South Africa, well, that's the American version. But in South Africa, it's the Exynos processor, identical to the S21. It comes with 6 gig of RAM instead of 8 gig of RAM. And it has a 6.4-inch OLED screen with with the same refresh rate as the S21 at 120Hz. The benefit of that is absolutely buttery smooth scrolling. And gaming on a phone like that is pretty exceptional. Every single thing I've thrown at it, it works with absolutely no problem. Because of its smoothness, using... Um, the latest, and it updates all the time using the latest version of the interface from Samsung. And it is Android-based, which is, is simple and clean, is really, really good. So no stuttering, no juddering. It is super smooth across everything. Scrolling through your emails, scrolling through the website, viewing pictures, taking pictures, apart from really far Zoom, are superb. So it is... An incredibly good uh, product for a good five 6,000 Rand less. And within reasonable amounts of time, the prices will still probably drop a little bit further. So if you're in the market for a really top-quality phone with all the benefits of the Samsung Galaxy, it's got Samsung Pay, it's got great uh, service and support in the country, this is as close as you're going to get to a top-end, high-end Android phone at a price that is significantly better. And the compromises are so slight compared to the standard S21 and other high-end phones that I would highly recommend the FE version for pretty much anybody. After using it for quite a while, I, I must admit, I didn't miss anything compared to the S21 Ultra. The Ultra is slightly bigger, but it was slightly heavier. The zoom was slightly better, um, Multitasking with 30 or 40 tabs open. Yes, I started noticing that the the FE didn't quite. I had to close a few apps and shut down a few tabs. But other than that, there was absolutely no downside to this product. And at the price and the deals and the colors and all the accessories you can get for it, it's pretty much the whole package. Samsung have become a very sophisticated, smooth operator in that space. It's available everywhere. The service and support is top-notch. The pricing is competitive. It's not a cheap phone by any means, but it is using some of the latest technology and it will probably serve you well for three to four years because they guarantee updates pretty much for over that life. And, um, It is a great, great mobile phone, complete with camera and everything else that you're looking at. On that note, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and I'll be back to explain a great new thing that's coming if you are using any form of um, non-geographic number porting. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And something that (laughs) I did a lot of work with, Pretty much 10, 12 years ago is, is something that we've all forgotten about to the, for the most part, because it hasn't proved to be the most important thing in anyone's life. Yes, your mobile number is critical, but with the advent of WhatsApp, with the advent of data and, and making calls, your actual phone number has become, I wouldn't say less important. It's still a key identifier in your life, but people tended not to churn their mobile number amongst the various networks in, in, in such a huge number. And in the prepaid market, your number actually pretty much meant nothing at any point in time. So when mobile number portability came out, what it did, it unlocked a huge amount of um, ability to switch from one provider of cellular service to another, retain your number, and get a better deal maybe. Was fairly there were there were hiccups. It was fairly seamless for the most part. Uh, a lot of people initially had a lot of problems with their numbers suddenly disappeared, or they couldn't work it for ages, and partially ported and didn't port and stuff like that. But they got those wrinkles sorted out. And for all the um, mobile numbers, it and even for certain landline numbers, you could port them to other providers and get. So your geographic number, your 011, 021, could be ported to a VoIP number. You could move your number to the best provider or the provider that you wanted to use. And that definitely brought competition to the market. It definitely sharpened the pencil of the providers to try offer the best deal to you. And it has worked in South Africa and globally very well to keep a lid on costs and to give choice and the ability of the consumer to do the best for himself. There was one glaring issue in South Africa, and that was the 0800, 0860s, 0861s, all the non-geographic telephone numbers that were controlled pretty much by telecom. They did not and could not for, form part of what you could port at all. So for many companies who use these numbers for client service for all sorts of different reasons, mostly big companies, were locked into contracts that they could do nothing about the The costs remained high and the choice remained pretty much low. There was no competition. And the incumbent, Telcom, could pretty much charge or do whatever they wanted. And no call center could use anyone else other than what existed. And although this was part of the plan and should have gone ahead many, many years ago, CELSI again went to court, took exception to many of these things and stopped it in its tracks for many, many years However, in early 2021 They dropped their legal action And finally, the the ICASA Have proclaimed that Number portabilities For non-geographic numbers That's the 0800s, 0860s, 0861s Will go ahead from 7th of March 2022 So if you're a business Who's using any one of those You've now got the options I believe there'll be a lot of competition In that space I believe that You'll be able to move away from telecom with those services and you should be able to create innovative services using the various call centers and platforms that exist out there. It, may, it also makes it a lot easier from a technology point of view, integrating this into all other stacks you may have in terms of mobile and other fixed numbers that are in the, in the cloud. It just opens up the market for the first time in an area that Pretty much got forgotten and people built into the cost. So the market is liberalizing and it's definitely improving. I don't know if it's going to do (laughs) much for telecoms bottom line. They are suffering, unfortunately, as now being one of the smallest telecommunication companies in the country from being one of the biggest. And let's hope the service providers come up with some really innovative new products using those numbers and make our lives a lot easier and make our communication a lot easier. Again, A lot of people are using WhatsApp to communicate and other methods. But the 0860, the free toll-free numbers, definitely play a huge part in customer retention, service, and many, many other elements, especially in a country where cost is often – I mean, it might not sound like much, but a couple of cents for a phone call may be beyond a lot of people. So having a cost-effective toll-free number is the same as having a reverse-build or a no-cost banking system on on mobile platforms. So finally, we are harmonizing all of that and getting it right. And on that good note of greater competition and more access and more choice in the market, we're going to call it quits for today, enough technology for one morning, and we'll be back with some more news and all the relevant new stuff happening in tech, a lot of stuff coming out of CES um, that's still filtering through, and we might see some of those products very shortly in the country. We'll be back, same place, same time, on Chai FM. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk.